0: Very good. Hey, how's everyone doing this morning? morning. That's good to hear. Before I get started, you know I've always got a few extra announcements, right? It's the way I like to roll. I just want to let you know, um, you know, it's been, um, we've missed having Pastor Steve and his family around here, and we've been plugging some holes. Well, I just want to let you know that uh, we've appointed Kate Southwood to take over the role of the the hosting team and the connections ministry here at church. She's doing it in a volunteer capacity, along with being the women's director as well. She's, She's doing a lot of work at the moment, but... Um, that's a big role, and, and uh, so I just want you to support Kate wherever you can because one of her jobs is not only to make sure everyone feels welcome here on our Sundays, but to help people find their way, to feel connected, to feel like they belong here at Hills Church. And so I wanted you to know that this morning, but can we just put our hands together and congratulate and thank Kate for that, <clears throat> wherever you are. Can't even see you here. Put your hand up for me. Oh, there you are. Good. Um, The other thing is, uh, tonight is the first night of the marriage course, and we've got 25 couples doing that, which is awesome. Yeah, so everyone who clapped, I want you to come and help me. (laughs) No, just joking. I'm actually looking for some helpers, though, at about 4.30 tonight, and if possible, in in coming Sundays as well. And so is uh, Lenore, who's, who's doing a fantastic job of providing the meals each Sunday for seven weeks. And so if you are able to help in any way, please let me know. Afterwards, um, it would be appreciated. Lastly, on Wednesday just gone, we had our first Wednesday for our month of prayer and fasting on Wednesday night, and it was fantastic. We had a praise and thanksgiving night. Thank you for those who came out. Thank you for those who are praying at home. This Wednesday we're here again at six thirty. This Wednesday we're going to be lifting up the names of anyone that you know, your family, your friends who isn't uh, walking with the Lord right now, and we want to uh, intercede on their behalf. And so if you've got someone like that in your life, you should come this Wednesday, 6.30. And a group of people here, we'll, we'll pray for them. We're, we're going to name them, you know, before the Lord. Uh, and so I want you to know about that. And lastly, no, that was the last thing. Nextly, <laughs> we're going to move on to our new series today. Thank you, Jared, for the awesome graphics there. Strong and courageous. You all know which book we're preaching in, right? Joshua. Yes. Who loves Joshua? How good. And as I thought about where to start this week, I wondered what Joshua was feeling when, you know, the reins of leadership from Moses, I mean, come on, he's the man, right? How good is, is Moses? So the, the leadership is passed from Moses to Joshua. And I thought, know, so, well, what was he thinking about? in these moments as, as this was happening to him because the job was huge. You know, the stakes were high. We're, we're, it's probably millions of people. It's a lot of people anyway that he had to lead. And you'd have to think, surely as he's heading towards this moment, would, would there not just be some little moments of fear? Do you agree with me? Because let's be honest, Moses had done a great job of leading the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, keeping them together for more than 40 years. And then right before they had to step over the Jordan and conquer the promised land, Joshua, Joshua gets appointed CEO, basically. It's all on him, in a sense. Your job, Joshua, all those people out there who sometimes aren't that happy about how things are going you must lead them you must fight many wars over many years you will face challenges and obstacles every single day you must transition a nation from slavery and wandering to settled and a functioning society I mean I don't care who you are you would feel moments of fear and here's the thing about fear not enough of it is not a good thing because it can result in harm, right? And yet too much of it can result in paralysis or stagnation, which also can result in harm, particularly to God's kingdom. The right amount of fear keeps us from taking risks that can harm us and others, but fear can stop us from taking risks that can benefit us and others. And it can stop us from achieving what God has asked us to achieve, what he has called us to do. Have you ever had one of those moments of fear that can paralyze you a little bit, you know, and stop you from taking that, that next step that you really feel like God's telling you to do? You know, I remember 10 years ago sitting with Pastor Lex uh, and Shelly was with me, and we we're praying. Is this the right thing for me to, to do, to quit my job of 14 years? A very comfortable job, mind you, and work in the in the church. I can tell you there was a little paralysis, there was fear there. That was happening in that moment because there's a cost and there's uncertainty. You know, you can't see what the future is going to look like and the challenges ahead. My point is that we all face these moments in life and we have to take a risk and stretch ourselves. And it's just scary. Sometimes God will ask us to do something that seems too much for us, you know, or too risky or too difficult or too costly or it's way out of our comfort zone. Well, I've got news for you today. You're not alone in that. You know, everyone feels this way. They have these moments. Even the people that you know who are really confident, right? And they just seem to always have... They can just do anything. They're really confident people. They don't mind standing up in front of a crowd, whatever. I promise you, I bet you they have moments of fear too. I bet you Bill Gates has moments of fear. When God calls nearly everyone feels underqualified underprepared, under resourced and out of their depth and, and that fear can creep in sometimes god is asking you to do something more or something different you know to start something to lead something to help with something to advocate for something or someone to stand against something to stand for something to intervene for someone and it can be scary joshua is someone who was asked by god to do something extremely hard and i and i just sat there thinking about it what would it be like if i was in his shoes because it was daunting. And I'm confident that he would have experienced these, these moments. And so I'm, I'm keen to learn from Joshua. Well, how'd you do it? How, how did it work for you then? So I've called this series Strong and Courageous because, in the first chapter of Joshua, if you've ever read it, from what I can count, there's four times God said to Joshua, That's what you should be strong and courageous. Four times. I guess God knew that this was a big undertaking for him. He obviously wanted to reassure Joshua of something. So, so next week, we're going to open Joshua chapter 1. But this week, we're not. Because I want to go back one step and look at what happened at the end of Moses' time, while he was still leader, and uh, learn about Joshua in this, this kind of time of preparation. I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more before he actually, you know, because when he started, he was probably already quite a good leader and, he, and off they went. I want to know a little bit more about what he had to do. How did he overcome this fear? So let's go back to Deuteronomy. We're in uh, chapter 34, which is the last chapter in Deuteronomy, which is also the book just before Joshua, in case you need to know that. Uh, we're going to start at verse 5, uh, Joseph, actually, not verse 1. So Moses, the servant of of the Lord died there in the land of Moab just as the Lord had said the Lord buried him in a valley near beth in Moab but to this day no one knows the exact place Moses was 120 years old when he died yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever so you know he's already ahead of where I am right now 47 <laughs> good eyesight and strong that's good to know the people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over and then verse 9 now Joshua son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him so the people of Israel obeyed him doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses so here's my my first lesson from Joshua today I'm calling these leadership lessons but they apply to us all okay strength and courage to serve God comes from God. You remember I said in chapter one, God said four times, you be strong and courageous. Well, where on earth does it come from? I mean, it's nice that God says it to us. Be strong, be courageous. That's good. But where does it come from? You know, Do I just fake it till I make it? Is, is there a course on courage? You know, When we look at our list of, of subjects at Bible college, are we looking through for the one that says strong and courageous? It's never there. I didn't see it anyway. I believe the kind of courage we need achieved to, to achieve what God asks of us comes from him. Look at verse 9 there again. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands on him, which is a reminder of actually what had happened earlier in Joshua's time with Moses. If we go back to Numbers chapter 27 verse 18 the lord replied take joshua son of nun who has the spirit in him and lay your hands on him present him to the priest before the whole community eliza the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people now the holy spirit was with him this is what i'm trying to tell you The holy spirit was in him that's what the word says So if you're wondering about where the kind of courage comes from that you need to do what God is calling to you, there is the answer. This is the key to all of us who are called to serve Jesus in different ways because we are all called to serve Jesus in different ways. We are all called to minister, by the way, in different ways. The strength to serve God the way he wants us to requires more than our own natural courage and strength. You know, Our gifts and talents are important. Our training and in intellectual understanding is essential, but God is talking about the courage and strength to say yes and move forward when it just seems too hard. And this is the problem, is we get to these spots where it is just too hard. And all the intellectual training in the world doesn't help us in that moment when it gets hard. He's talking about the courage to make the hard decisions, to face big obstacles and not back down. To not let the negative voices discourage us because they do. To not let them turn us back. To take calculated risks for God's kingdom. We need the strength that God provides and the Holy Spirit is the provider to overcome those fears so that we can go. You know, we might be concerned. We might wonder at what lies ahead. We might still have to plan and be prepared and, and tap into other people's wisdom and all those things we still have to lead well, but we can find the courage to say yes and move forward because the Holy Spirit provides us with what we need to take action. When you read through the Bible, even the Old Testament, the New Testament, it doesn't matter. It, it constantly says when people are, are, are doing scary things for God, if I can use the word scary, it almost always says they were filled with his spirit. They were filled with his spirit. Because if you try to serve God in just your own strength, you will be limited. You will lack the kind of courage that is needed when the devil comes at you and he will. Your chances of failure are much higher without the Holy Spirit because trust me, it takes strength and courage to follow Jesus where he wants you to go. And I love this about God because you know, if God is calling you to do something and you obey, he provides what you need. Isn't that reassuring for us? He provides what we need. It brings me, as a pastor, a lot of comfort to know that he will bring what I need, the courage and the strength at the right time. There is actually an anointing for, for the role that God has for you. you know, I remember a, a pastor from Victoria years ago when I was at a conference, and it was just after I had been... Um, senior pastor here and he was going through the same process and, and he said you know the doubts are killing me he said is there an anointing that happens and answer is yes god will provide the holy spirit within is what we need all right leadership lesson number two good leaders find a good mentor good leaders mentor others you know moses and joshua They had a great mentor mentee relationship. And Jesus, by the way, did the same thing. You know, he had a bunch of mentees. I hope that word's the right word. Would you call it a mentee, Mike? Is that right? Yeah, good. Someone who's being mentored, not a mentee, a mentee. All right? Big difference. But Jesus himself, you know, he had 12. And even within those 12, he had three who were really close to him that he would mentor with the idea that they would then go on and, and mentor others. Moses and Joshua did this as well. In my opinion, oh, and, and, and Paul, wasn't he a great mentor to many? You know, Think of Timothy in particular. In my opinion, all of us, all of us, not just those perhaps in leadership, but all of us should have at least one mentor in our life. Someone we can trust to be honest with us. Someone to point us in the right direction. Someone to tell us when we're not doing the right thing who, who sets an example for us. Because speaking of courage, I think it actually takes courage to find a mentor and it takes courage to be a mentor. Because when you mentor someone, there's a cost. You know, it does cost you your time. There's no getting around it. To mentor someone successfully costs you. But there's a big reward. There's a big reward because we see fruit in the life of another. And that's as followers of Jesus, that's what we love to do. It's see others succeed and do well and flourish. The reward is also multiplication for the kingdom because you've invested in, in another person who invests in another person and who invests in another person and on and on. And out of that comes many people who can lead or bring positive change into the world for God. You know, Out of that comes a whole new generation to serve God. And the gospel. And that was the model that Moses and Joshua left us. That we should be mentoring people, that we should be mentored. Jesus did the same thing. Every leader should be thinking about well, who am I mentoring now? It takes courage because it's easier to only focus on on my own development. It takes courage to slowly lift others up into our place, you know, to kind of slowly step aside over time. It takes courage to do that. And maybe that person gets the glory that maybe you once did. It takes courage to know it's not about me, it's about the kingdom. And on the flip side, it takes courage to find a mentor and in a sense to serve under that mentor. It takes courage because you're admitting you need someone to show you the way you don't know best. It takes courage because there is effort in being a mentee. You know, you're going to be asked to do things you don't really want to do. You're going to be be stretched a little bit and change for the better. You're committed to someone speaking difficult things into your life, you know, about you. That's hard to do, to let someone do that. Can I, and, and young people, actually all people, but young people especially here, to find a good mentor, someone who is wise, someone who is humble, someone you can trust. And can I just say this, if you're looking for a mentor and you find one, it's your job as the mentee to make the appointments with the mentor. I'm just going to say that one because I once met someone who at the end of their ministry said, well, people promised to mentor me and they never did. And I said, did you ever ring them and make that appointment? And the answer was no. It's your job and to do the follow-up and to do the homework and all that sort of stuff. If mentoring is good enough for Moses and Joshua, it's good enough for me. And you know, my mentor is Lex Akers. I'm just, you all know that, it's not a secret. We speak on the phone, I would say, at least once every two weeks. Sometimes it's weekly. Sometimes I feel like um, it's a, it's a two way thing, which is awesome. But he is someone who um, has, it's cost him a lot, I guess you would say, to mentor me. And you are reaping some of those, those, those rewards and the cost that he had to make. I want to encourage you to have a think about that one. Leadership lesson number three. God, our good leaders must learn patience and perseverance. Oh, that seems like a simple one, Nathan. Well, what you need to know is that Joshua didn't just show up and take over the leadership as Moses died. He had to serve under him for a long, long time. It was probably more than the 40 years. That's a long apprenticeship, by the way. (laughs) We don't like doing three years. (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't at apprenticeship wages the whole time. (laughs) Joshua, though, was going to have probably one of the best leadership jobs in the history of the nation of Israel. God didn't just want a strong and courageous man. He wanted a wise, humble, and patient man. And if you have dreams and plans, awesome. Especially if they're God's dreams and plans. But I can tell you that sometimes God makes you wait because you'll be far more effective for God when you learn perseverance because it will get hard, it will get tough and if you've learned that lesson, you'll be better because you waited. And in my experience, perseverance actually builds courage anyway. I can stand up to greater challenges and bigger opposition because of my lessons while I had to wait, while I learned perseverance. Then leadership lesson number four is this one. Good leaders choose faith over fear, which is the title of today's message. Or speech, as Avalon called it earlier this morning. <laughs> Especially when it's God's plan. So 40 years earlier in Numbers 13 and 14, okay, when the Israelites were first approaching the promised land, you know this story, they get there, On time, obediently, mostly, ready to do what God said, they send 12 scouts uh, like a recon, like spies, to see what everything looks like, to know what the next step is. The 12 come back, 10 of them decide it's really hard. The cities are big, the people are big, the armies look difficult. We're not prepared. I don't think we can do this. Everybody knows this story, I think. Caleb and Joshua, on the other hand, and and fear kind of won the day for them, didn't it? For the 10. Caleb and Joshua, on the other hand, they saw exactly what the other 10 saw, but had a different reaction. They saw the potential and excitedly called on Israel, let's move forward because God said he would be with us. But as we know, they didn't, and God sent them back into the wilderness because of their lack of faith and disobedience. In some way, it must have been so, so disappointing for many people who had done the long journey and then never actually got to cross over. But I love the optimism of Joshua and Caleb. And it seems to me that Joshua was already showing signs of a strong and courageous leadership all those years before he took over. But I also understand those 10 who let the fear win. Like I, I I get it. Because I've been there. The fear of taking a risk stops me way too often it's too hard it's too risky they were right except for one thing they forgot that god was with them they forgot what god had already done for them you know in normal circumstances you you wouldn't move forward the 10 spies what they said made sense but god's ways are not our ways are they you know, we forget that when we're following God and His will for us, He provides the way. And I do wonder how often in church have I let the fear of what people think stop me from doing what God actually wants me to do. You know, how often have we as churches lacked boldness in going into the world because of fear? I remember saying to our church board several years ago, we're looking at a budget like we do every year, and, um, and we're wondering, you know, do we just... Economically, it's tough at the moment. Do we just leave the budget the same as the previous year or maybe even take it back a little bit and I thought you know that's fear stopping us our budgets should always grow because we believe that what we're doing is God's will and that he has he wants something special he wants this church to reach more people and that God will provide the funds that we need You know the message for us today, as a body of believers, as the church, is to be strong and courageous, and to choose faith over fear. Even if the majority want to retreat, you know, even if in our in our society right now there might be some pressure on the church and our beliefs, and and it's tempting to retreat a little bit and take the pressure off. God is with us. We choose faith over fear. And I wonder what we miss out on because fear holds us back. You know, the wrong kind of fear. Not the one that stops you from driving your car 100 kilometers an hour around a corner and seeing if it sticks, right? That's the good fear. I'm talking about the other kind of fear. Do we tolerate an unhealthy marriage because the fear of being challenged about me Stops us from getting help. That's scary for some of us. What if I've got to change? Do we hold back from talking about our faith with a friend? Or even just inviting them to Alpha? Because we're worried about what they might think. I get it. I'm with you guys on that one. I don't want to be known as the loony guy but I do want to be known as the strong and courageous, faithful follower. Do we avoid a small group or a prayer meeting because we're scared of being stretched? Is God calling us to fight against an injustice or to fight for a person in need, but we're a bit fearful that we'll get sucked into something that's going to cost us something? Do we hold back from planning a church because statistically it's a 50-50 proposition that it will get somewhere? Do we avoid dealing with a difficult relationship or reconciling with a broken one because the conflict scares me to death? It's easier to do nothing. But maybe the fear is holding us back from something that God has in mind. Are we holding back from forgiving someone because it's too hard? We know that at some point we're going to have to let go of the hurt. Are you scared to tithe because you're worried? I don't think I'll have enough. Or I'll miss out on something that I want. Has God given you a vision or a calling, but the journey... It's just too scary. The cost is too high. The risk is too big. I just want you to say today, I want to say today don't let fear win. Joshua didn't. Can I even say Pastor Steve didn't? You know, it could have, and it didn't. Am I good enough to go and pastor another church yet? The doubts, the fears. If it is God's will, he will make a way. I want to pray for you this morning. just want you to think about if there's anything that comes to mind that You know, if there's a fear that's holding you back against what you think God would want you to do, just bring it to mind. And then I invite you just to, with open hands, give it over to God. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will now, you will build courage in us to do what you want us to do. You will build courage in us to reconcile relationships, to forgive people. You will build courage in us to take the next step to where you want us to go. You will build courage in us, Lord, as a church to say yes when you tell us to go. Lord, you will build courage in us when, when things come against us, when people come against us, when the world comes, comes against the church. You will bring courage to us, Lord. I pray for that. That faith will win over fear. And Lord, as we go through the, uh, the story of Joshua and the Israelites over the coming weeks, my prayer is that you will speak to us through your word, that we will uh, have a greater understanding, yes, but Lord, it would, that your word will change us. You know, you pass these, your word down to us for a reason. We can't ignore it. We open ourselves to you again this morning. In Jesus' name.